This is episode 48 of the Higher Christian Life broadcast, and my name is Steve McCraney. As we continue to look at the book of Acts with these new eyes we've been talking about, primarily focusing on the lives of those men and women of the early church and how their lives were changed dramatically, turned upside down by the Holy Spirit. And again, we're only in Acts chapter one, verse two, but we find in that verse that there's this small cryptic phrase that literally stops us cold in our tracks. And that phrase is just four simple words that read through the Holy Spirit, through the Holy Spirit. Let's look at that verse in context. Acts 1, 1 and 2 read as follows. The former account I made, O Theopolis, of all that Jesus began to both do and teach. We looked at that phrase last time. Until the day in which he was taken up after he, after Christ, how, through the Holy Spirit, what, had given commandments to the apostles whom he had chosen. Did you catch those four words and what they mean? Jesus, not on his own authority, but through the Holy Spirit or by the Holy Spirit or theologically via the intermediate or effective cause of the Holy Spirit, had given commands to the apostles whom he had chosen. This verse opens up for us an amazing picture of the nature of Christ and the power and authority the Holy Spirit had in his life as well as ours. And you will find as we progress further that our struggles with the higher Christian life will vanish when we realize the same power God anointed his son with through the Holy Spirit, you might want to look up Acts 10, 38 for that, is the same power we have been given when the Holy Spirit has come upon us as his church. That's Acts 1, 8, which has already happened. Just think about it for a moment and be encouraged as we learn more about the dependence our Lord had on the Holy Spirit while a man on earth, as we experience the higher Christian life. Let's jump right in, shall we? As we continue looking at the book of Acts, especially looking at the account of the lives of those in the early church, We're stopped cold in our tracks and amazed by this small cryptic phrase found in Acts chapter 1, verse 2. Let me begin by just reading verse 1 and 2 for you. It says, The former account I made, O Theophilus, of all that Jesus began both to do and teach. We looked at that phrase, do and teach, last time. But look at verse number 2. Until the day in which he was taken up, after he, and here's that phrase, through the Holy Spirit, had given commandments to the apostles whom he had chosen. Through the Holy Spirit. Those four small words. And in those small words, we find great encouragement in our own quest for the mind of Christ or our goal of being like him and walking like him. Or one of my favorite verses, being complete in him from Colossians 2.10 and experiencing the abundant higher Christian life. Four words can give us great encouragement in that. Let me explain. When we see Christ in the Gospels, when we try to capture our mind about who he was and what he was and what he was like, we tend to view him in one of two extremes. One, we view him as totally God. 
constantly God, as the Son of God who is fully God in every aspect. He's co-equal, co-eternal with the Father. He is like the Father. He is the Mount Sinai God, the God of the Old Testament with judgment and smoke and thunder and lightning and loud noises and earthquakes, only in a different person. And when we focus primarily on the divine aspect of Jesus, he becomes somewhat aloof and untouchable especially to holy men like us who have dirty hands and impure thoughts and not even dare enter into the presence of God. That's one side. On the other side, we view Jesus as only a man, and the pendulum swings too far that way. He's a friend. He's someone we look up to and admire, but he's certainly not a king and definitely not God in the flesh. After all, he thinks like we think, he likes what we like, he struggles with the same things we struggle with. Therefore, he's kind of like a, a friend, a pal, a chum, a, a good buddy, and we have no need to fear or respect him, much less obey him, because he's just like us. And we certainly don't worry too much about sinning, because as a man, just like us, as uncomfortable as it is to admit, we view him as fickle, because we're fickle, prone to doubt, because we're prone to doubt, and as uncommitted and faithless to the important things in life as we are, or at least that's what we assume about him. Now, these are the two extremes, but neither of these extremes fully capture the nature of Christ. Now, We've talked about this before, but as you know, Jesus is fully God and fully man and will be so forever. That's the hard part to accept. The Bible teaches he'll be that way forever. Theologically, this is known as the hypostatic union, and the hypostatic union can be summarized in a brief statement like this. It says, remaining what he was, he became what he was not remaining what he was, fully God, he became what he was not at the incarnation, fully man. Jesus is not half God and half man. He wasn't fully God and set that aside and he became fully man and then took the Godhead back again. He is fully God and fully man in one nature and will be forever. Let me summarize the hypostatic union. Jesus is one, fully God and fully man. And two, there is no mixture or dilution of either of these natures. They're all in totality and fullness in him. And number three, these two natures are united as one person forever. In other words, Jesus is both God and man, and his two natures, both human and divine, are inseparable and will be forever. And when we try to piece all this together, we have to understand that what Jesus did was to choose not to take advantage of his divine nature while on earth in order to fully experience our temptations and sufferings and become, as Hebrews 4.15 says, our high priest who was like us, tempted in every way that we were, yet without sin. And he could only do this as fully man. In other words, Jesus chose to present himself, listen carefully, as our perfect example of how to live the higher Christian life. And he did this by not utilizing what we don't have, which is a divine nature, and voluntarily limiting himself to what we do have, which is a human nature. 
As a result, Jesus struggled as we do, yet he didn't give in to his struggles, and he didn't sin. He's our perfect example. Jesus was tempted in all ways, even ways that we haven't been tempted, yet didn't succumb to those temptations as a man and sin. Jesus faced everything we face, even more so. Yet he held his head high, he kept his eyes focused on his Father, and he did not sin while being fully man. And in doing so, he showed us the way of victory over the things that hold us back from all God designed us to be. Jesus modeled unbroken intimacy, faithfulness, and obedience to his Father while fully a man. Let that sink in, fully a man, just like you and me. And in doing so, he became the prime example of what the higher Christian life is all about. Again, the question. So how did he do this? We find the answer in Philippians 2, 5 through 8. And here's what it says about the Lord. He says, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. And he describes the humility of Christ, who, being in the form of God, did not consider it robbery to be equal with God. He's not taking anything away from God by saying he is God, but... This is his choice now. He made himself of no reputation. Kenoso is the Greek word, and it means to make empty, void, or without meaning. He made himself to be just like everybody else, nothing special, fully a man. And he did so by, back to the verse, taking on the form of a bondservant, of a voluntary slave, and coming in the likeness of men. And being found in appearance as a man, again, his choice, he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even the death of the cross. You might want to read that again slowly, Philippians 2, 5, and 8, because this is a picture of what Christ did when he became a man to identify with us and our sin and our suffering and show us the way. This was a choice Jesus made. Listen, he purposely, voluntarily, and with great faith surrendered his life into the hands of the Father and received from the Father, get this, the same power available to us today, the same power that we received, the power and person of the Holy Spirit. That's right, Jesus ministered through the Holy Spirit, the same Spirit that now lives in you and the same spirit that is the key that unlocks this abundant higher Christian life that he promised, the life from John 10, 10. Now, we'll talk more about this later, but let me close this time together by just sharing a few truths with you that will drive this point home. And the first is found in the very verse we started looking at, Acts 1, 2, the verse that prompted this whole discussion. Here's what it says. The former account I made, O Theopolis, of all that Jesus began to do and teach, verse 1, until the day in which he was taken up, after he, Jesus, how, through the Holy Spirit, what, had given commandments to the apostles whom he had chosen. Jesus did not give these commands himself, but he gave these commands through the Holy Spirit. He did not give these commands to his apostles on his own authority, but through the authority of the Holy Spirit living in him. How did he do that? Why did he do that? Well, he had already placed his life in total submission to the Spirit of God, 
same spirit that we're to submit our life to. And if you remember, it was this Holy Spirit who descended and remained on him at his baptism, just like the Holy Spirit filled you at your salvation and remains in you. But, but there's more. In Acts 10, and this is amazing, we have Peter preaching in the home of Cornelius, and he's describing Jesus to them as one, and he uses the phrase, anointed by God. Jesus anointed by God. Well, how can Jesus, as God, be anointed by the Father, who is his equal, with the Holy Spirit, who is also his equal? Does that make sense to you? How is that done? But simple. God was anointing and empowering Jesus the man, the fully man Jesus through the Holy Spirit that allowed him to do the things he did with the power that only comes from God, the power that Nicodemus recognized. No one can do the things you do unless God is with him. And listen carefully, this same Holy Spirit with the same power, the Dudamas power, is the spirit that now resides in you. Jesus, as fully man, ministered and was empowered by the same spirit that lives in you. Here's what it says in Acts 10.38. He says how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with one, the Holy Spirit, and two, with power. That's the same word, dudamas, power, who went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil, for God was with him. Well, how was God with him? Because God had anointed him with the Holy Spirit and and given him, by virtue of the Holy Spirit, power. And so, therefore, he was able to go around doing good and healing all those who were oppressed by the devil. Did you catch that verse? It's a perfect description of what God promised in Acts 1.8 to give to his church. And it's the same Greek word we have here in Acts 10.38 that we see in Acts 1.8 for power. It's dudamos used in both verses. Remember Acts 1.8 but you shall receive power, same power Jesus was anointed with, when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, the same thing God anointed Christ with, the Holy Spirit and power. And as a result of that, you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and and to the ends of the earth. Now, there are many other passages that point to this truth, and we'll look at them at another time. But let me draw this to a close. I know many of us struggle with the higher Christian life. We've tried and failed. We don't seem to be able to live the kind of life that we want. Sometimes we think maybe it's not for us, and maybe we just ought to throw up our hands and quit. But do you realize that everything Jesus did on earth was done through the power of the Holy Spirit that was given to him and to you for the same purpose, that the same Holy Spirit that God anointed Christ with and the power that came with that, that allowed him to overcome sin, that allowed him to do mighty works, that allowed him to to do the incredible things he did is the same Holy Spirit that lives in you. There is nothing in you 
that you lack that is not already found in him living in you. And there is nothing that Jesus lacked as a man on earth that was not found in the person of the Holy Spirit who dwelt in him. So the encouraging part of this is the fact that as Christ did as a man, all we have to do is surrender our life to the Spirit who's already given to us, that already lives in us, and will be empowered like Jesus promised so that we will do greater works than he did because he goes to his Father. If you doubt that, it's John 14, 12. Look it up yourself. And do you remember what happened when Jesus went to his Father? That's right. He sent the Holy Spirit to live in us. That's Acts 2. And as they say, the, the rest is history. Let that sink in for a moment and be encouraged because everything that Christ had as a man, you have today. And all we have to do is yield and trust in it like he did. And it's incomprehensible what the Lord will do in our life. Do you remember? the doxology in Ephesians 3. Now to him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly beyond all you can ask or even think by the power, the power that lives in us and in the church, those called out ones filled with the Holy Spirit, to him be glory ever and ever in this generation. Amen. You are divinely empowered. We just need to accept that in our mind and live like it's true. I hope this has been a blessing to you, and I look forward to talking with you again next time. Until then.